0: Hi guys, this is Crime Therapy, and the views and opinions expressed on this show are solely for entertainment purposes. These views and opinions do not reflect the views of our employers, and are not intended for legal, diagnostic, or therapeutic purposes. Don't do it. Don't think about it. Don't even try it.
1: We're just having fun. We have never ever committed to saying that this was going to do anything else besides uh, some like hobby that Victoria and I like to you it's know around with in our free time. <laughs> it is a hobby. I like sometimes it's like homework, and I dread it, but sometimes I'm like, it's a fun nice. Yeah, also when I listen to our episodes and we don't sound awful, I'm like, oh, I don't hate myself or Victoria. This is lovely. (laughs) I don't hate myself entirely today. (laughs) No. Wow, we did a good job. Yeah. Um, So we are also joined today um, with the, uh, the second half of Frankenstein's podcast. Khalid, welcome.
2: Thank you guys for having me.
1: Um. Thank you for rescheduling with me last week. Uh. I text Victoria and uh, no. Okay. So Victoria is in Pennsylvania, so it was about one a.m. her time. Um. But in California time, because wait, you're in LA, right? Yeah, so I was like, it's probably about like nine four or 9 something, but I was in a Love's gas station ordering Arby's at 1 a.m., like in the middle of the country, like maybe in like North Carolina, like I, I didn't even know where I was, and I was like, hey, I think I need to reschedule, and honestly, I like had so much shame, Victoria responds, she's like, I'm up all night anyway, no problem, and I was just like, thank God, my anxiety keeps me awake anyway. So you didn't wake me up at all. <laughs> I felt like such an asshole. It was like the night before, but we didn't even get into Florida until like 4 p.m. So um there was no way it was gonna happen. So yeah. I will say you.
0: though, I think when you did text and you were like, We're stopping right now, like we're in the middle of the- we're not even near Florida. I was just like In my head, I wanted to tell you to turn your tracker on because I'm like, if you're at 1 a.m. in like the middle of bumfuck nowhere, like I really want to make sure you're alive. (laughs)
1: Um, We almost weren't alive. My fucking husband made us leave 12 hours after – we were going to leave at 7 a.m. And then I was like, okay, we have to leave by 9.30 because like things were moving really slow. And then I was like at 1 something, we're like, we're going to have to rent another car because our car was filled up. And then at 5 o'clock, our our, like straps for the thing on top of our car were – we found out they were missing. So I had to go to Lowe's to buy straps. And then at like six, I was like, we're really going to leave tonight. It's a 13 hour drive. Like, and I've been up since five and he's like, I think we should just do it. So at like 3 AM, we finally pulled over and he was like, I was falling asleep at the wheel. And I'm like, oh my God. I, okay no 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 no. but we didn't die and um my two co-hosts today are gems and they uh let me cancel at 1 a.m the night before well i guess for Clay, it was like 9 p.m no 10 p.m it was 10 p.m but i but the only other time
2: what is time time right now in, in this landscape
1: I know, because honestly, I was like the only other time I think we've hung out was like in a bar scene. So I was like, <laughs> is there a chance that he's like sleeping right now? But like, probably not, because he's—I you know, don't mean—I don't know how old you are, but I assume thirty, like ish. At like, are you at home? Is this gonna ruin your life? What What were you doing when I texted you?
2: Uh, same thing I've been doing every day since like last March. If I'm not on set, <laughs> which is sitting in my room, like. <laughs> Cycling through the same fifteen movies on a streamer, acting like I'm, like acting like I'm gonna like be inspired to suddenly watch Bridgerton or something. Oh my god!
1: Uh, okay,
0: all right, all right, okay. I don't know if shots were fired on that comment, but like no shots. We I just not, mean- <laughs> we gotta talk about it.
2: <laughs> I just mean that like weird like musical chairs you do with like yes, all these yes. like titles because like I don't know I. I'm not one of those guys that's like, oh yeah, let's be random today. Let's watch like a South Korean Ew. reality show. No. Like, I'm not. I I have a very like set amount of taste, and I've watched The Office too many times. So,
0: have you guys seen on Netflix now at the bottom? And maybe this is just my Roku that's doing it. So I don't know if you guys have this thing too. But on the bottom of the profiles, it'll say like shuffle. So Netflix will yes. actually
1: pick something. No, for you. I would never do that. No, I'm. On, and I'm just I'm, like, do uh, no, know. Did, did, did you? Would you get? Get What'd you get? What'd you
2: get? Uh, I think one time it played Moesha, which I was okay with. Oh, and yes! Another time it played something else that like offended me to my core. Like, at that point? I can't remember. I was so offended, I just like stopped it, and I was like, "This is what you think of me, algorithm."
1: <laughs> no, but isn't it a shuffle for randomness, or is it like what is it like a shuffle of what they think you would like?
2: I think it's still like the stuff. Like they wouldn't just give you anything, would they? That seems psychotic. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, it sounds like you got something a little off. No, oh my was, I,
2: I just remember getting it and feeling like this is unhinged. Like this is an a visceral
0: response of yeah. like, oh.
2: nice. So I, I never did it again. I don't recommend it unless you want to be like really insecure because of a computer
0: yeah i mean but there's a 50 percent
1: chance i'd get moesha so oh yeah i know that i was like oh that's on netflix that's nice to know i also heard like the the parkers was on too and then the parkers
2: something- is on yeah and yeah. one-on-one and half and uh, half uh yeah just like a bunch of them oh Bridgerton 10 is
0: also on there and I, I will recommend 10 out of 10 that's my yeah, i don't know if i'll do that <laughs> But that
1: might not. Be I'm high. a
0: sucker. Like- I'm a sucker for period you- pieces, though. So I'm just like, oh shit, they're coming for your girl.
1: <laughs> um, you I'm do? like currently like back on Gilmore Girls, but I do like no. Gilmore Girls, Buffy, Angel, oh, Office, okay, like, okay. and you know, like I watch like the- I'm the same the thing. I do, like the same 15 shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: but like you also gotta like space it out, you know. Like I-, I, I did like just hit like peak capacity with The Office at some point. Like I just watched it too many times uh so i can't go back at least like not for like 10 years it's gotta be i gotta put it in a time capsule
1: Yes. Okay. Also, I like when I don't quite remember what happens too, and then it's like kind of a new episode. Like sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I I know how they get out of this," but then sometimes I'm like, "What did they do?" You know, and it's like a it's like a new show that I know I like. <laughs> I'm like, I like <laughs> the ending. Yeah. Oh, see, that makes me
0: question my reality because then I'm like, did I really not pay attention? Like I don't remember this at all. Like holy shit, what was I doing? So I have the, well, the opposite reaction of like, no. My, so the only my, thing my memory I've is noticed- warped.
1: <laughs> No, no, no. The only thing I've noticed is like if something I watched as like a teenager or as a child, and oh, then you watch it as an adult, different. and you're yes. like, "Whoa, we found
0: Rugrats somehow." And I was oh, just I like, "Let's just it. watch one episode." Like I'm super curious, and it was really funny from the adult's yeah. perspective. And I was no, like, no, "No, no, it's funny." Okay, and nice. it's weird.
2: It's weirder <laughs> it's so than I remember. SpongeBob <laughs> is like that too. The SpongeBob movie slaps what that's my, that's my unequivocal wreck like that's i'm talking like i'm saying like the main spongebob movie the animated one that first that came out like mm-hmm. years back uh when it was closer to age appropriate for me to even watch it and then the oh, one that just recently came out that definitely wasn't age appropriate for me like i was like very much in my late 20s when i watched it Dude. and i was dying it was so funny
0: didn't like Tyga do like a song for the new SpongeBob movie that came out or something? Like I swear, a song like that came up on my Spotify recently. It was like Tyga doing SpongeBob, and I'm like, I don't understand if this is a joke or what I have just fallen upon, but it was really kind of good. <laughs> oh, oh
2: my gosh! Oh I need no. to hear this Tyga SpongeBob song.
0: I swear to you, I'm gonna find it right now. I can't, I can't be made a liar on my own show. <laughs> no, okay, I'm I gonna- feel like this.
2: I, I just, think want, to know, I just want to know what uh i just want to know what he rhymes crabby patty with
0: <gasps> uh, okay oh, I, think it's called, I think it's okay so it's called the crabby step no,
2: yeah, no. It is. Yes, <laughs> it is. is there a dance is that the dance
0: you know what? It looks like there's actually a music video from Taiga Vivo that actually has him doing the Krabby step. So, oh for those of you
1: listening, oh my god, oh my god. check that oh out. God. After and and I know that um, we we are uh, a crime and social work podcast, but that was our little recommendation for uh, TV shows and um, features on Netflix you can use. Great tie uh, back, uh,
2: Chris. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my recommendation is Taiga's Vivo. So. <laughs>
1: Oh, my God. Also, Spongebob, though. Like, I think that's what I'm taking away from this.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's my real recommendation is Spongebob.
1: Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Okay, so – the case that was mentioned to me when I was on Frankenstein's podcast. Was it on Frankenstein's podcast? Yeah. So afterwards we had a chat and uh, I think I was like, do you want to come be a guest on our show? And you said yes. And then you said, have you heard about this case? And I said, no, absolutely not. And I Googled it and I went, what the hell? Like, it's just completely wiped from our history. Can you tell us about this? Can you tell us about how you heard about this case?
2: Yeah, totally. Uh, so the case itself is uh, most commonly referred to as the move bombing of 1985. That's the big significant thing. But uh, like as I'll get into it, there's a lot of stuff that led up to it. Understandably, you don't just wake up one day and decide to bomb an American city as, a, as the police of that city. But they did. Um, so the, the way I found out about it was... Uh, it was actually, I had just gone back home near like the one month or two month mark into quarantine. So uh, beginning of the summer, May, June uh, time period. And, and, th- and this is to Minnesota. Yeah, to Minnesota. So like uh, my mom lives like 15, 20 minutes outside of uh, Minneapolis. And so I was going to go back with her and just kind of lay low until work came back or anything because that's where all my family is. And so I'm hanging out there and it's Memorial day and it's my nephew's birthday, his first birthday, actually. So we're all celebrating. Yay. It's fun. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. And then we all wake up to the news that while we're all singing happy birthday, George Floyd had got in, uh, murdered while he was being like detained by the cops. So it was kind of a very tumultuous time. I happened to have come back to Minneapolis like a week before this powder keg just like explodes and we have the summers long protests and stuff like that. So uh, I don't know. It felt like I'm not really like a guy that believes in signs or anything like that. If anything, I considered it more serendipitous. that like I was able to come back and like grieve at the heart of like where all of this was occurring. And a part of that for me was like, I've kind of gone through the cycles because sadly we have seen a lot of police related uh, murders over the years. So like I've gotten into like, these habits of like, I try not to get so like self-righteously angry that like, I don't come away from the experience with anything. So like every time, like I really get like in my feelings about it and I need to process it. I try to like research a little bit more American history and understand how we got here. And so that time I just like, pulled out all the documentaries I could think of, like started looking at the recommended list for those documentaries. So I'd watch like, I am not your Negro uh, and a few other documentaries. And that's where I found the documentary. That'll be the like primary text I'm pulling from when I tell you guys about this event. Uh, it's a, a, Excuse me, I just want to make sure I credit it correctly. Uh, it's called Let the Fire Burn, and it was a PBS documentary that was released in 2013, directed by Jason Oster. And I cannot recommend this documentary enough. It's amazing. It's a, it's my favorite kind of documentary where uh, you – don't actually have like talking heads that try to like after the fact uh, tell like put a narrative to random events or seemingly random events it's literally footage that like pieced together from that time period just letting the subject speak for themselves there's never any kind of editorializing or anything on the creators part So, uh, yeah, I watched that documentary and it's about the move bombing specifically, but they also do a good job of like priming you up to that point. And that's how I found out about it.
1: Wow, and that was, so that was just all independent research on your own because you know I I was thinking like is this something that was should have been taught at some point because I don't know about you but like so if, we've talked about on the podcast before that the Tulsa like something that I knew about until college and I think that people are always talking about like the liberal education and all of like the things we're like in, getting indoctrinated with etc. But I'm like that is something that. If I think our education was truly like super liberal or it had some – or it had some kind of inclination to show us about history and like the racism more than just kind of – I think like the only thing that was really highlighted for me through school was like, you know, um, I guess like Martin Luther King. Like this kind of like whitewashed like softer version of like, hey, people were given rights. It's lovely. Like look at what was done versus like look at what was done. Like people were murdered.
0: That was yeah my I think the one of the experiences I had growing up in a very liberal school system was that some of our teachers got a little bit were lenient with what they like were comfortable showing. So I remember like my one social studies like history teacher in high school having a whole day talking about like how individuals in the African American community um were treated in the south and like kind of what the civil rights movement was looking like and i remember one day where it was pictures of those lynch like lynchings that had happened and that's like literally what we did was just kind of explored how people got there how people were treated how people how police handled things how terribly people were treated and how it was just just a complete just awful, 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 terrible, no good, very bad thing, right? And that was like one thing that still sticks with me. I still remember this slideshow of the horrors and atrocities of things that happened. And I was like, that's one thing like at the time I was like, whoa. But as an adult, I'm like, I really appreciate that my teacher actually went in deeper and went in harder to try to teach us that like, hey, no, it's not (laughs) that like People were walking and marching and like Martin Luther King happened and it was all rainbow sunshine unicorns. Like, no, like people had to fight and try to make these significant changes happen. And it wasn't long ago. Like it wasn't so long ago. And I think people forget that, hey, we are still in this area of needing to keep remembering to keep learning and applying yeah
1: so like even if we transition even a little bit more because i think the thing that popped in my head was tulsa but then i also go like th- so this was i know you're going to get into it and i didn't do like a ton of research so correct me if i'm wrong clade but like this is kind of like a cult like type thing where people decided where the police decided to like bomb the neighborhood right like yeah, just a quick summary yeah.
2: because basically um, it was a compound uh with yeah a, a cult is a is a fair representation okay okay okay.
1: because but like we all know about like jim jones and the people temple we know about waco like i'm like is this the, and, and and i went this way so like you correct me and you correct victoria if we if we're wrong with this too but i thought it was kind of like is this a whitewashing of history because this was it was only black people that were killed right
2: yeah, it was uh it was at the end of the bombing there were 11 victims. Uh, it was a uh, five ch- it was six children and five adults all black.
1: Yeah, and then so like that's where I went to it cuz you were like this major event where like they bombed this little compound part of this neighborhood and I'm like god that's weird like I well, why did I heard the heard
2: of compound though is what's messed up about it because oh, yeah, yeah. it, was, it was, uh so uh, I was going to get into this. I can get into it now. Sorry. That sorry. All right. <laughs> uh, basically, uh, they, they had two different locations that uh, just be, based on like the two largest events that happened in their time in Philly, uh, there was the shootout that happened at a location called Powelton Village, and that was more of a standalone house. And so the, when the shootout happened there, they were able to evacuate neighbors and stuff like that and make sure that like most of the damage was specific to the compound. But after that, they were actually moved to a place on, it was a street called Osage. And those were row houses, which are pretty common to Philadelphia. And the way row houses basically work is like, they're just like sandwiched together. It's like houses, 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 sandwiched together, like uh, brownstones and stuff like that, that are just like collected down the street. So... When you hear they, bom- they bomb the move compound, it's like very easy for the person who hears that to just go, okay, so they took out the, uh, the coal One building. Yeah.
1: Or, and I also I don't want to mislabel uh, them if they weren't a cult because I know it was like a Black Power movement but I think things got kind
2: of weird and distorted I mean, right. We, we could just call them so a collective just to not be like dismissive or anything. I don't know. I don't collective. want to. Yeah.
1: Do. I agree yeah. with
2: that. And they're 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 far from perfect. Not that they have to be perfect. Like no victim no. should ever have to be perfect to nope. justify not being a victim. But uh, I don't. I also don't want to like make it seem like it was like as one sided as the move guys were the heroes and the cops were the bad guys this is a very nuanced Obligated. situation that ended yeah that ended in the worst case scenario but just to finish my point from earlier essentially because there were row houses they bombed the move compound but because they let the fire burn 65 homes in a largely black populated neighborhood in Philadelphia in the 80s were decimated and eventually the city built out those houses back up but they all got condemned in the early 2000s because they were done like built so shoddily because the city cut as many quarters as they could in this like penance, penance.
1: Yeah. no and i'm so sorry because like i want to let you get back on track but like when i just googled it briefly like i really like i was gonna let you talk about this and i went this is weird that i've never heard of this i didn't i didn't hear the name i didn't hear about the bombing i was like god this seems like a pretty big deal to be something that never has been mentioned before to me
2: I don't well, know. history I don't know. is told by the winners and when yeah. over like eighty percent of the move organization is either in jail or dead, and the rest are like children who couldn't tell you much about it at the time. It's it's hard. It's hard to get the word out about this injustice. Like the neighborhood wants to move on because they feel like the biggest victim of it all. Uh the they yeah, it's and the cops don't want to bring up what is Clearly an embarrassing story on their – part. They had to bomb their city. Okay. We can get into it. We can get into
1: it. let's get into it. Let's get into it. Sorry, I I didn't mean to cut you off on the rail. I have a quick quick
0: question. I just – Because I know you mentioned the PBS documentary. Now, from that perspective, was it taken in a certain lens or was it just like this is what happened as factually as we can get it? Like was there a certain tone to it or was it – Because I've never – I don't know the documentary. I was just kind of curious – like what yeah
2: i mean it was it's such i mean i don't know because i come to it with so much bias that like it's hard for me okay. to know what the what the documentary is trying to tell you versus like what i took away from it because again i watched this right after i watched george floyd get like killed so i'm, <sighs> I'm sitting mm-hmm. here i'm sitting here watching this documentary about like a, a a psychotic mayor that's like talking about like how he wants to like he he uses the term "going to war" like with these people, Ooh. and
1: against your own just, people,
2: exactly against citizens. You know what I mean? Like better or worse, like even if they're mean to you, they're citizens, and mm-hmm. so all of that stuff, just like and 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 just the like how brashly they went through it. Like I'm, I'll tell you some like insane little details from like the shootout and the bombing. That uh, it's crazy that this happened on American soil, but yeah, like I mean. I, I feel like the documentary is doing a good job of going, like, this was, like, power gone wild. Like, some okay. authority should have stepped in at some point in, like, so many different branches and stopped what happened here. That's how I took it.
1: I, I just wish that these things – So, like, then like when you're saying this stuff to you, I'm like, I wish this stuff was shown. Like, I know that history is written, you know, by the people who won, right? But I, it, wouldn't it be nice and couldn't it have prevented – or. Could we do better as human beings to say, look at where we dropped the ball and, like, like we don't want to do this again? And, and now we have something, like, with the Capitol again, too, where you're, like, fighting your own country and your own system. And it's like, hey, maybe we should acknowledge when we've done this and it's been bad for everybody.
2: Uh, I mean, ultimately, like, history is kind of like a pineapple that way, where it's like – A pineapple there's like there's a lot of like if you're if you're like treating it right like if you're utilizing it correctly there's a lot of good stuff to get to but <laughs> if you're gonna oh, be God. if you're gonna be reckless with it like <laughs> no. you know what i mean like you gotta you gotta get, you gotta get <laughs> to the that- prickly part too you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean yeah it's a that thinker it's a thinker
0: is that the title that- of this episode
1: <laughs> history is like I a think- pineapple history is like a pineapple yeah i think it yes. should be i i have support that okay <laughs> okay. So before we cut you off again, we can – unless Victoria has something else because I'm no, so sorry. I just
0: – I just wanted to say like that's really helpful to know because like, I, I don't know about you, but when I've watched documentaries, sometimes people get very like – There is a definite like background hidden thing. So that's why I was kind of curious. And I know you said it's PBS. So I have a little bit more like grain of hope, (laughs) but, but yeah, I
2: totally recommend you guys watch it. Like I'm telling you, like it's, I've already,
0: I've already found it. It's already being pegged, but like, I just want to (laughs) make sure. (laughs) Cool. Okay. And I, and with that, I will, I will, I'm going to sit back and enjoy the story and jump in every five minutes or so. So
1: cut you off and and derail it and say um, insidious things like uh, they're a cult. And I'm so sorry, because I just remember saying like there was something that had happened, but also that was probably freaking biased.
2: I mean, everybody called them a cult. Like it's not, like I think that there's just like, this uh, push to, like, if you automatically hear something as a cult, you think of, like, the worst examples of a cult. But yeah. uh, I, I think when we say cult, we literally just mean, like, a collective of people that are, like, deviating. You know what I mean? Yes. And yes. if you really stop and think about it, like, that's, like, it's not this uncommon occurrence that like we kind of condition ourselves to there's like there's a reason this stuff keeps happening there's a reason there's like more militias than like the federal government can keep count of you know what i mean like we as a people aren't used to this like being a part of 300 million we need a smaller group that goes against everything
1: Yes. No, I think that's a really um, accurate and like eloquent uh, observation and description of what's happening too. Yeah. Thank you. I really, I feel bad about my statement. So I just want to make sure I'm not going to edit that out because when I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I I think, yeah, the way you've described it, it, it's perfect.
2: Thank you. Uh, Okay. okay, So I can, I can jump into it if you guys want. Yes, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. So uh, I did a little bit like, again, like my main source of text is the documentary, which uh, I, I, I don't know how it doesn't come across as like, I'm just spoiling the documentary without telling you that like, please don't let my rehashing of it uh, be the only thing you get. Like watch the documentary yourself. There's so many gems that I'm leaving out just for the sake of time and brevity. So uh, with that being said, I'll jump into it. Uh, Basically move was founded in 1972 uh, by a, a gentleman named John Africa and he was actually uh, an illiterate – and if I recall correctly from uh, my Wikipedia di- dive, he's he was homeless. But um, what was interesting, and especially with your guys' podcast that looks at everything from like a social work lens, is that Move was – kind of co-created by john africa's social worker um his name was donald glassy and he was working at the university of pennsylvania at the time when he was working with john africa and because john was illiterate he would dictate all of these uh like um i guess codas or mandates or testaments i don't know because it, it move is rooted in religion is uh is a big thing that kind of gets left out of the documentary but like i found in further reading so there i guess like a testament might even be a good term for what it was but uh he he did ultimately just call it the guidelines and his social worker like transcribed it for him. Like there's something almost like biblical about that. Like how God has like the angel that like is the voice of God kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. So I guess in that way, like Donald glassy was the voice of move, which is cool. So, uh, the other big thing that his social worker kind of has to own is that the uh, Powelton Village, the uh, initial compound I told you about where the shooting eventually takes place, was Donald Glassy's place. And I, 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 I didn't get too much like, specifics on it, but apparently he gave that to John Africa in the move compound. So like, there is no move without his social worker.
1: Which is interesting because also as you're talking, I'm like, that might have crossed a line. Like, it seems like most times you shouldn't be giving your residence to people, but okay, very interesting. Might have. Might have. (laughs) Might have. Yeah, but I also go, how good for him to, like, empower this man and, like, help him uh, follow his dreams, etc. Yes, (laughs) there's a difference between empowering and autonomy
0: and, hi, I have a spare bedroom on the second floor. Do you want it? Or a whole building you can have, apparently.
2: Well, you got to think though, like to be a part of the term, a cult leader, like the kind of charisma that comes with that, you know, Fine, like, fine, include that. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, if like, if like, there's like an alternate and reality point. where like, I'm a social worker and like Brad Pitt is like one of my like cases and he's telling me that he wants to like create like a fight club type group. <laughs> where I'm, do like, I sign? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm at least like, I'm going to let him finish at least. I'm going to let him finish the bit.
1: <laughs> before you're like, hey, we might need to get some help for you. We should right. have fight club.
2: <laughs> I would like be into it. Probably like even promise to put some money down and then like go talk to like three people and realize what it sounds like.
1: <laughs> I think that's a good oh my God, I really like that. That's a good rule. <laughs> like talk to three people and get their opinions before you make any more decisions.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like founding something. Yeah, um, especially
1: a fight. Yeah. Or a cult or, you know, anything really. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Exactly. So uh, just a couple of things like uh, we'll move on to the actual events just to give you a little like descriptor of like what MOVE was, uh, especially the audience. Uh, Despite their name being entirely in all capital letters, it's not an acronym for anything. It's just MOVE. Uh, So that one like took me by surprise. I was like, wait, what? Like I I kept thinking it was going to be like some like cool, like black power, like, uh, mantra that they all say and it sounds like move and no it's just all caps move so that's there, there that's there for your edification uh uh the other thing is that like they were described as kind of a fusion of black power and flower power so essentially like if like w- if woodstock was full of black panther members uh which that might explain why like pretty much nobody was on their side because there's at least like, uh like with the black Panthers, like they were rooted in community outreach in a way that was like, they, they really, they really had like an elite, like soldier mindset to them and like there was like a uniform and all of this stuff going to them that at the very least like when like the cops said like these guys are like militant look how sharp they are and stuff like that there was like credence to it with with the move guys like they were just like their uniform was dreadlocks because they like took after like rastafarian trends and they had their kids like dressed like naked because they wanted them to just be like as animalistic as possible and it's like they were doing all this stuff that like we could see like a a bunch of like white people in like Northern New York do in like a farm. And we would just be like, Oh, that's quaint. That's a different way of life. But because they were doing it like right in the heart of Philadelphia, like next to like, like city dwelling people and like just freaking them out with like the way they were behaving, it became a problem. Um, so basically, they're at that first location, and their day to day is as simple as like they homeschool their kids. Uh, they don't believe in technology except for like things they need, like a car or something to get around. Other than that, there's no technology. There's no electricity in their building. Uh, they farm, they farm themselves. They 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 capture stray dogs, but like not to eat them. They just like get stray dogs from the street and like raise oh, them in the house. Yeah, like in like the little like. Uh, open area they've created for themselves on the compound uh and then uh the other big thing that kind of transitions us is that they have like patrols like they have like people that patrol they go they've created like parapets and like random like castle defense uh designs on their compound to the point where like people are like uh patrolling it back and forth during the day with guns that you oh. you eventually find out like half the time like they're they're not even guns like they're like inefficient you know they don't have uh they don't like they won't have like a firing pin or something like that so like they're essentially just clubs they're they're oh. playing they're, they're playing dress up they're 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 uh they're doing cosplay and they're just like walking back and forth and they have like bull horns, and they're cursing out the police and stuff like that. That's the big thing is that like um, the big uh, from what I could tell, the big uh draw to move and like what like what really like got everything going was like how against the police and like government they were that to the point where it was like, outright hostile. And so for me, it's hard for me to just sit back and go, well, it was just like a commune or a compound. It was an active like daily protest for them in the sense that, you know how like when protesters will do something like block a freeway, people will be like, "Uh, why would they do that? Like, why would they like impede someone's day? Like, why don't they protest in a way that's like convenient? And it's like, yeah, that's not the point. Yeah, there's no such thing as a – convenient. if it was a convenient protest, it would mean you could ignore it and it's not an effective protest. That's why I consider their entire lifestyle of protest was that their core mantra seemed to be do not let them ignore us. Do not be anything less than a thorn in literally everybody's side until they hear what we're complaining about. And so uh, they did this again like with like bullhorns, like their neighbors – one one guy in the documentary is talking about how, like what how his wife like after like hours and days of like hearing like just like profanities shouted out of this bullhorn, uh, is just like crying and like he, he couldn't do anything for her. Like what do he, yeah. what can you do? And it's like that's why I say this is such a gray area niche thing. Like as much as. The, uh, what the police do to the MOVE members could be categorized as torture. What the MOVE members do to their neighborhood could be categorized as torture. Um, so it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of dicey things that you have to, like, navigate.
1: Would you say – so like when you said that like this – their whole life was kind of a protest, I I went, oh, wow, that's actually a really cool idea. But then I also – like was it very clear what was happening? Like did the neighborhood know what they were doing or were they just kind of behaving erratically and they were kind of like these are our belief systems but like everyone's kind of uneasy going we don't know what's going on?
2: Oh, no. That's the thing. And I, I get – like I'm conflicted because I watch it and like this is my second time having seen the documentary and I still get like – Even knowing that they did a lot of stuff that I don't necessarily agree with, I get so excited watching them because the one thing that you couldn't say is that they didn't express themselves as clearly as possible every single one of them was so eloquent and so like, even when they were like in fire, like they were like, they were like impassioned with like fire inside of them and like calling the cops motherfuckers, like every other word you, they still had a very clear argument that they were making and they could not be distracted. And it's cool. They show that they, that didn't happen on accident either, that they all became great orators. Uh, they have practice court trials in the compound Where one person will pretend to be the judge, one person will pretend to be the defendant, one person will pretend to be the prosecutor. They'll have a jury, and everybody will like practice the jargon because, like, the one thing they don't want to do is like let their lack of like uh, knowledge on how things work be an excuse to write them off. Like, they don't give you an excuse to ignore them. Like, if you even stop for a second and listen, you're going to hear some real gems.
1: Yeah. That's incredible. Okay, so okay, I'm so sorry. My original cult comment. I'm like, this actually sounds like. I mean, I feel bad for the neighborhood folks, right? But I also go, that's really interesting. I mean, also somebody to commit their whole life to protesting to, and to saying like, whatever's happening right now is not okay, and we won't sit by quietly, and we're gonna make people uneasy because you know that's how you get things like change. Cool. That's
2: yeah. What I mean, totally. So the big, uh, the big uh, precursor, I guess, uh, the the thing that really gets the ball rolling on the cops versus the move organization is uh, the story of the tragic story of Life Africa. Uh, so all of the members take after John Africa when they join, and they change their last name to Africa because. They're Africans, and they want to honor that, and they think, like, you know, your last name's usually your slave name if you're a Black American. So they all go by the name Africa, and Life Africa was a uh, three-week-old newborn from one of the members of the uh, group. And so... This was like the big thing, like the catalyst that gets the war with the cops going. But the cops, obviously, like these are a bunch of like black guys, mostly black guys, and then like there's black women and other people there. But they're all they're all like armed or at least like promising like equal like recourse against the cops that like whatever they get like. It was very much like they hit us, we hit them back. They hit us with a club, we hit them with a the club. Like very uh very gangster talk. So the cops were always bugging them, and so like there was a point and uh. I believe it was, yeah, 1976, there was a point where about, I think like eight or nine members, it might've been more, were, uh, had been arrested and they had all just gotten released at the same time and they were coming back. And so the MOVE members understandably were happy and they were celebrating. And I guess that one of the neighbors thought that it might be just like a little too raucous. It's obviously he said, she said of a, of a kind of thing. And they called the cops. So then the cops show up and a conflict erupts because like the move members feel like they're being like unjustly harassed by these people for celebrating a bunch of people being released from their custody from the last time they were unjustly harassed. And unfortunately, in the scuffle, the mother who was holding Life Africa fell and Life Africa what like died. Like, oh no. Yeah. Very, very sad story. So, this it goes from sad to fucked up here because they had all their kids on compounds. They didn't trust doctors. They definitely didn't trust hospitals. So, Life Africa had been born and was alive for three weeks, but she was born in a compound. There was no record of her. She was as off the grid as you could be. And the, the cops and the city decided to say that there was no baby and no. they were and they were lying. And so this really pissed off the move guys. And then they eventually were like, okay, we don't have the baby. There's no baby that you guys killed when you were being like abusive. They brought city leaders into the compound and showed them the open, like it wasn't even a casket. The baby was just in a box. They showed the baby to them just to at the very least like get the dignity of like saying acknowledgement like, exactly like yeah. how fuck do you have to be that you would in a in any world like just like not even like say that like a death occurred, even if you won't accept fault so so this is a very contentious like thing now like the the this like as far as the documentary is concerned, like this is where the line in the sand. Was created and for so- sure. Though
1: if you, if someone if a police officer kills your child too, it's like even when we talk about like George Floyd, like those signs of like you know, when, I mean more than once you've had black men being murdered by police asking for their mom, and I think collectively as a society we're not okay with children being killed. So like when it's your child too, it's like your compound's baby. Like that is, I, I couldn't even imagine putting anything else like that's gasoline on the fire. Right? Just, oh my god
2: yeah no that's <sighs> i mean i'm just rambling, rambling i'm sorry yeah. that like
1: hurt my heart like as you said that i'm like i can't even imagine and then they're saying no there's no baby and they have to come in to see the actual baby like on display
2: right and like the victim's name is life for god's sake like it's all it's it, it all works so perfectly to like essentially like uh, let you understand uh, that everything after this is kind of a foregone conclusion it's almost like shakespearean where like after a certain point like the characters are just all in you know yeah. Uh, obviously, this is a real life event. These aren't characters. These are people's real lives. But like, I just mean in like the sense of retro. Like in retrospect, if they all believe as much as they do on both sides, this is the only outcome. Um, uh, so life Africa unfortunately passes and. Uh, the conflicts with the cops do not end. They're kind of a sore, uh, the, the, the move organization is a thorn in their side that's a blight on them as far as they're concerned, especially with the then mayor, Frank Rizzo, who there's no other way to describe him. He's basically like, uh, a, like a, a Trump prototype. Like the guy is, the worst everything about him is so awful like he's he's such a alpha male like douchey kind of guy like every time you see him on camera like you can tell like he's the kind of guy that would like try to like push his like chest into you as like a like uh. i don't know like a primate move you yep. know what I mean? <laughs> so yeah. like so this is and, and and you have to remember like frank rizzo is like first of all he's a government like employee he's the mayor He's a man that's like at that time of this, like had to have been in his forties, if not fifties, you know what I mean? And the 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 median age, the average age for the move members was like 21. You know? Yeah. Like it's basically kids. Like as like I don't know, I think all all three of us are like in our 30s or like close. So we understand. Like you're saying like you're going up against like hot-headed 21-year-olds, like you couldn't find a better way to solve this. Like this is embarrassing. That was Basically, Frank Rizzo is like just like embarrassing himself. He, he, like I said earlier, had like this like weird messed up idea of the cops, not as peacekeepers, but like actually as like a straight American. up like army, a force. Yeah. He is quoted as saying that they could have successfully invaded Cuba if they were asked to. The police. Oh my God, what a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> God. Yeah, like, you know what like, your job is? That's
1: like your job.
2: Yeah. Are you just, like, waiting by the phone, like, hoping that, like, hoping Nixon just gives you a ring? Like, I don't understand what you mean, like, invade Cuba. Like, the police?
1: (laughs) You're like, you have a little too much testosterone in your body right now. Like, he's, like, one of these people that are, like, looking for a fight. Like, oh, my God. And that is who shouldn't be a police officer. And I feel like oftentimes you hear that it is, like, these, like, alpha males who are, like, ready to fight people. And it's, like, that's not your job.
2: It's not your job. And it's essentially, like... That's, like, you understand, like, what they were up against, like, as much as it was, like, a, like, white supremacist system that was, like, beating them down every second it got and incarcerating their men specifically, but all of their adults and whatever they could. Like, they had a specific antagonist on top of all of that that was, like, making a point of, like, abusing and harassing them for his constituents. So, uh, like... I, I think the best analog is like if you imagine like all of the protests that happened this summer, like let's say like even just Portland, like where things got really big and like uh, it was like a straight up like onslaught and like a battle. Now imagine if instead of like Trump's just president and he's just like from the rafters just like talking shit and be like, we'll send to the National Guard if you ask us to, governor or whatever. Like imagine if he was like the mayor of Portland when Portland went down.
1: <sighs> yeah.
2: Like, the, like, resources at his hands, the powers that are granted to him in that specific jurisdiction with the cops who were bloodthirsty to begin with, like, it, it that's what Philadelphia was with MOVE. Uh, it was if, like, somebody just as bad as Trump had, like, his, like, was the guiding hand of the police. So... Uh, they they eventually come to a head in uh 1978 and this is where the shootout that I've referenced it comes into play and essentially uh they sent in like so many police officers it was like a, the government like essentially the the uh the, they got a court order to evict the move people because of all the complaints and like all the arrests and stuff like that. And the move guys were like, well, fuck you. This is our place. We barely recognize you as an authority to begin with. We're just going to ignore you. So like eviction day comes. And like, whereas with like a regular house with a person that's getting evicted for not paying rent or something, you might send like a sheriff and like two deputies. They yeah. see, they, they send the whole armada and they like lay siege to this place that has repeatedly the cops have gone in like taking their guns and stuff like that. And like on record, I've been like, Oh yeah, most of these guns do not work. So like they're going in there with like automatic gunfire and like people like snipers posted on roofs and like, they've like evacuated most of the block to get into the shootout. And like, they've got like firefighters there and stuff like that. And they're just like laying waste to it. And eventually Nine members are arrested and sentenced to thirty to a hundred years in prison for the uh, for the third degree murder of one police officer who died on site. The messed up thing about this, and I won't get into it too much, just because like it's kind of muddy. But uh, there's to this day speculation that like it, he died of friendly, friendly
1: fire. fire? Yeah, Yeah. that's what I was thinking the whole time. I'm like, if they don't even have active guns. but So you're thinking like this is just like them having – they're going to play war against these people that they don't like because they're looking for some kind of a fight. Like not because it was necessary and they actually feared for their safety. It was because –
2: they, if they you saw these crazy. guys and like if you saw what they were doing like it wasn't like a gang like they weren't robbing people they weren't mugging anybody like aside from understandably yes it's still a nuisance and still psychologically damaging to like have someone from a bullhorn like shouting for like hours oh or God. days
0: but i'm realizing like my old neighbor chris wait what? wait what it sounds like do you remember my old neighbor from across the street who would like oh, the one, one that was
1: mentally unstable e- e- e-
0: e- sure but like oh. so they- <laughs> or on drugs whatever the case may be but like, <laughs> no. I was just like yeah it was annoying but like okay you're not doing anything you're not hurting anybody like whatever so oh that's God. but okay so you guys are saying like it sounds like what had happened is probably that you know this fire probably is what actually was the catalyst or the cause of this death not necessarily a move member um hurting
2: murdering anybody Exactly, yeah, like, there's, like, no move member, like, believes they killed anybody that day, like, they basically Mm -hmm. just, like, hunkered down and got shot at, and that's what it looks like, you know what I mean, and it was, like, Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, like, a 90-minute siege, so, like, that's a lot, like, at one point, they ran out of bullets, and, like, someone had to go out, like, a news camera, like, saw a trunk, full, like, with a box full of, like, new bullets, that's how many they went through, so,
1: like, they were just like firing them into the house.
2: Yes, when, and again, there are several children in that house. It is insane. More people didn't die. Like it reminds me of—I don't know if you know the story of how Fred Hampton died. Uh, he was the uh, member of the or the leader of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panthers, if I'm uh, remember, remembering correctly. And uh, uh, without getting too into the weeds of it, like when the cops came for him. Uh, they said that like, I think like one person inside fired and it gave them carte blanche to like unload and like Swiss cheese this apartment in such a like devastating way that like you would, you would think that like there was like seven machine guns like primed on the other side. That's the only way this could happen. And no, it's just overzealous cops that clearly got into the work for the wrong reason because they are living out their worst fantasies.
1: And also like, probably clearly we can say this like and we editorialize on the the show a lot and that is our thing but like probably racist right because like you're not doing this in other neighborhoods you're not just firing randomly into different homes like they don't even care they're like we're just looking to hurt these people today like it's definitely racist right like (sighs) yeah
2: yeah i mean and that's There's also footage of like when uh, those uh, members eventually surrendered and came out. One guy, uh, he was kind of considered like the leader of it. Uh, He comes out with his like hands. All of this is on tape, you know what I mean? He comes out with his hands empty, and they later on said that he had a magazine clip and a knife in both hands. And that was like their justification for on camera, like cracking his head open with one of their steel helmets. And then just like three cops on tape, like as clear as the Rodney King tape, just stomping, like kicking the (sighs) shit out of him. At one point they kick him so hard. He like lifts off the ground. And I I was like, I do not know how you survive that sir. But,
1: uh, so, Hey, I'm so sorry. I didn't even ask this. And I should have asked you before we were recording and I can take this out. But like, obviously as a, black man like a discussing this with us but like i'm like i feel like i'm tearing up because i'm just like i i hate this i hate when like the powers hurt people you know what i'm like you're supposed to work for us like you're not supposed to work against us what's it like for you to like watch these things or even like talking about this right now and and if you don't want to talk about it i'll delete this part out too
2: oh no 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 worries i don't mind talking about it um i don't know i think that the general feeling is powerlessness uh there's really like no one to go to about it and there's no uh logical like end in sight to it um i i that's again like that's why when i was saying earlier like i'm like borderline like like in love with this like movement sometimes when i see them like the way they talk to the cops there are these two women that actually do like uh, their names are Laverne Sims and Louise James. They were members of move that just by sheer luck uh, were not on the compound the day of the bombing in 80 uh, in 85. And so they're in the, they're like the basically the only voice in defensive move for a lot of the documentary, because it's like inter- they're being interviewed by a commission after the fact and the way they spoke to like these like authority figures and to these police officers. And essentially at one point, one of the guys like tries to like interrogate her, uh, one of the women. And it's like, uh, so is it true that like your son beat you? And she's like, well, is it true that the mayor like roped his wife up by her neck and like beat her? Like, and they're just like, that's not relevant. It's like, yeah, none of this is relevant. Like, are you trying to say that my son hitting me once was the reason a bomb got dropped on us? And I'm just like, Ooh. I'm so conditioned to just like, be like just observant of authority and understand that if any, if I say anything that makes it worse from there on out, it's my fault. And that's never, that's not actually true. You know what I mean? Like you're allowed to pop off and still be in the right. You're allowed to have like an attitude and be curt, but there's this like subservience that's like ingrained from an early age of like, it's almost attached to your survival for a lot of us. So like seeing people like this, that like, condition themselves or like break the conditioning really of being subservient and uh and, and fight back with like such vigor like there was always only going to be one logical end is what i what i mean to say by all of this and it's like that's what sucks about it but is also kind of inspiring is that maybe there is like a less like drastic step towards like being able to like as confidently as like a karen at like on tape all the time with cops talks like maybe one day like there'll be like a black equivalent you know what i mean like they can also talk to a cop like that and not risk their life
0: i think but that's that's the thing that's like so devastating and you know as a white woman like this is only my perspective but that's i think the thing that's so again this is my perspective right so it's just like it's it's hard to even hear that because you know that in the back of your mind that, you know, someone else of a different background, different privilege, different, you know, expectation is going to have a completely different reaction and result. And that's so just, I I can't even like articulate the right word right now, but just defeating. I don't know. I don't know. And it's just, you know, that's just, again, my own kind of thing coming into it. And it's so hard to not having as much background or education as we would love to have oh
1: my God, to be yeah. able I feel to like- – <laughs> I don't no, know. i like, ashamed, no, no, no. Yes, this, whole, this whole podcast episode, I'm like, fuck, I hate myself. I'm ashamed. I don't know as much as I want to know. I don't want to say this incorrectly. Uh.
2: Uh, you, can't do, you, you can't do nothing with shame, Chris. You got to let that go. No, I know. But but that's, that's it. It. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> taking y'all to school. I'm taking y'all to school. It's fun, it's fun to learn. And it's that's, fun to
0: learn. And that's, <laughs> but that's it then. It's like, I think we, Chris, myself, we have to lean yeah. into that shame and know I that do we're going to make
1: I'm not deleting it.
0: <laughs> because that's how we're going to learn and that's how we're going to be better people. And it's not on like individuals of color to educate no, us. Sure we not. need to take that on as white women, as white individuals to be a better advocate, and be a better ally. Colleen came to onto be. the show and talked about
1: this. Yeah. And yes. I feel I'm like, shit, shit, is this bad that we made somebody come on the show and like talk about this thing that we no, should no. talk about? We're, like, getting, we're ah. getting through the
2: prickly part. We're getting through the prickly part. We're about to get to the pineapple. Part.
0: So I'm gonna be sweating more, is what I'm just learning. I'm gonna make sure my deodorant. <laughs> is close by. Here we go. <laughs>
2: oh man. So, yeah, that was uh, just, yeah, the, the, t- in summary, that was the shootout in 78. Uh, it ended, again, with nine people going to prison for 30 to 100 years. Um, the good news, I guess the kind of good news, is that, like, despite, like, 40 some odd years of uh like uh, Philadelphia prosecutors basically arguing against releasing them from prison uh, in 2018, a super progressive uh, DA was elected in Philadelphia, Larry Krasner. I don't know if the name rings a bell for you guys, uh, but he was a, it was a big deal. It was essentially like, We were all so down after like Trump won and they had control of uh, Congress in 2016 and 2018 was like the whole blue wave. We got to get as many like left leaning like politicians and stuff. And it can't just like this is the down ticket. Like that was like when we all really started understanding like the power of a strong like down ballot like ticket and having like not just the leader of the country Mm -hmm. blue, like let's get it all. And so, Larry Krasner is, in a lot of ways, like, the biggest, like, told-you-so ever to that point, because the man is, like, as progressive as, like, you could hope for in a country that's basically just conservative. Um, yeah. he, exactly. he, he basically, since 2018, like, effectively released all nine of them over two years. Uh, the last one was released, like, I think, like, in June of 2020. So all of them got to like at the very least like it sucks because again like they were in their 20s up until like now in prison but uh with the exception of one of them that has died of cancer since then they all at least get to live the rest of their days as free philadelphia citizens now
1: which is great but also they probably wrongly convicted and like had their lives taken away just willy-nilly because they wanted to blame somebody and not take responsibility
2: it's painful and sadly a very common story in this country. Uh, oh, yeah. For sure. There's entire generations that have been damaged by the prison industrial complex and continue to be because that's just our priorities in this country. Um, yeah. So the last thing is the move bombing. And I... It, it's essentially the same kind of thing. They move to the Osage Row houses, like I mentioned, and it's a, like there's no lesson that they learned from the last time. It was, it's if anything, it worked. Like they got a bunch of like eyes on them. Like it was like a, it was a hu- full on siege with the police. Like after the Life Africa death, they uh barricaded the block for a while and tried to starve them out. Like they've like throw tear gas at them. Like these guys are all like fully invested at this point and the mission continues and so like they've got the bullhorns out again and they're upsetting neighbors again and they're upsetting cops and getting arrested again and uh it eventually uh the good news is that mayor rizzo is gone he actually lost his election to weirdly enough the first black mayor of philadelphia mayor wilson good so there's yeah it's seemingly yay except that you yeah, I mean a year later yeah. he's the mayor that let 65 houses burn down and a bomb drop on his city so kind of yay kind of
1: yeah
2: um, and it's I like mean- a weird There's, like, a weird, like, metaphorical thing to it, too. Like, for me, like, I get, like, a lot of, like, Obama parallels where it's, like, Uh, we all all get so high on the representation of it all that we don't stop to think about, like, what that person is culpable of after the fact.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess in my head I'm like, yeah, representation is good, though, right? Like, let's get people in like positions of authority that aren't just all like white men. But yeah, but then you're also like, okay, but if you're still the same kind of person that's feeding the system, like it doesn't even matter what you look like because yeah, you're exactly. just a pog. So yeah, 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 uh,
2: like the, yeah, like if it's still a bad person, you're screwed. So. Yeah. uh so the the bear is in place, but now instead of Rizzo, our villain is the police commissioner. Uh his name is uh Sam, uh Commissioner Sambor. He had like a weird first name I forgot to write down, but uh he sucks, is the point. He 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 sucks butt. So <laughs> he uh he, things come to a head again. This time, 500 police officers on site after a court order is placed in 1985 to Boot the move members from their current place uh the move members again barricade themselves this time the cops br- pull out all the stops like tear gas all that stuff and a giant like high pressured like hose that is like flooding the compound like just shooting straight into the building and like covering them in water so that goes on for some time i think like a full like day-long like deluge like neighbors are hearing guns going off everywhere it's like pandemonium uh the news is like trying to like report from like several blocks away because that's how dangerous the street is and uh eventually the uh the bomb squad recommends to the commissioner that we should drop a bomb on the on the place and so they they do (laughs) Uh, oh my god Four pounds of Tovex, which is essentially what uh, in the uh, second half of the 20th century really started to replace dynamite, is this material called Tovex. So it's four pounds of Tovex and C4 explosive, which is a lot. And they put it in a satchel from a helicopter and they drop this satchel with a 45 second fuse onto the house And the explosion is exactly as bad as you'd think it would be. Like, you watch it, like, they've got, like, all these, like, multiple angles of the documentary, like, blocks away. You see, like, this huge explosion and, like, nobody on the ground knows what the hell is going on. It's insanity. And now the fire has started going. And remember remember that high-pressure hose that they had? Uh, Commissioner told the firefighters to turn it off. Um, Oh. And that's, right. where, that's where the lovely title comes from. It's a quote mm-hmm. from the commissioner to let the fire burn because he wanted to smoke them out. And mm-hmm. so this is where like the bureaucratic like nightmare of it all and like where Mayor Good might just be like the biggest piece of shit comes from is that like according to Mayor Good, he explicitly told the commissioner after a certain point to start putting the fire out. The commissioner uh, under oath tells the uh the people that like are questioning him that he told the fire marshal to put the fire out the fire marshal like it's so dramatic when they show him too he's like i'm sorry who said that he's like the commissioner said he said that to me he did he never said that to me he never said that to me and the fucked up part is that's just where it ends it's just he said he said nobody gets charged for anything in any of this 65 homes burned to the ground. Eleven people, six six of them children were burned alive and, like, nobody was held to account. And there's even There's like, no accountability? No accountability. They had the, like, the documentary, uh, the big, like, narrative uh, foothold to it is the commission that's kind of like, uh, like a neighborhood commission almost that's like, uh, trying to do like a post-mortem about what happened and who's really accountable for everything. And, Uh, they they like at the end like wrote down like some like the police like acted horribly blah 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 like somebody should get in trouble, nothing came of it. Actually, one cop did face consequences, but like in the worst way possible. It was the uh one of the members uh his name was uh Conrad they called him Rad Africa uh he. He uh, was able to get one of the kids out of the house while it was on fire, and it's really heartbreaking. Like this is the kid that like the only surviving child from the eighty five bombing. He was the one that was like giving testimony in like the separate deposition, so you get to hear a lot of it from his point of view. But the reason he survived was because Conrad pulled him out of the fire, and like it was like this like back alley where all of these like like three cops with like submachine guns basically like came to the back of the alley quote unquote to keep any move members from like escaping. And really it was like, these guys are done. We're never dealing with them again. Either they burn alive in that house or we shoot them when they come out. So that's basically what they did to Conrad. And uh, and like they, he it's, it's conflicting. The child says that Conrad had uh, a wrench to bust them out of like the basement and the cops say it's that, a weapon. Yeah. But like, yeah, it was a, it was a wretch though. Like they actually point that out. Like one of the two uh, move women that's in the, uh, that's being like deposed is like, no, it was a, a wretch is a wretch. It was, uh, she's like, it's, it's anything's technically a weapon, but like, it's a tool too. Like the only thing that's yeah. explicitly a weapon is a gun. So like the cops said that he had a gun on him and the kid who was with him said that it was a wrench. And oh. they basically, they murdered Conrad And one of the last things that he was able to do was, like, get the kid over, like, this wall in the back alley. But, like, he dropped him in the, like, kerfuffle or whatever. So the kid, like, felt direct on his head. And, like, these cops from a distance, (gasps) they saw the kid, like, hit his head. And, like, one of them was, like, about to run out and grab him. And, like, another cop was like, no, 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 no. Like, I don't feel good about this. Like, I feel like it's a trap. Once you go there, they're going to shoot you, da, 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 da. Essentially coming up with any reason not to do anything for the kid. Eventually... eventually the cop that wanted to help him just says, fuck it. And he's like, go. And then like, uh, he goes and saves the kid and comes back. And he gets, I think he gets like a co- uh, accommodation for it and everything like that. And, you know, he did. He did save that child. Technically, he put that child's life in danger by, by laying siege to his own. But he did save that child when the child needed saving. So. Yeah, like,
1: like it's, it's like, very different, though, to, like, burn people – like, okay, like, and I don't want to say, like, burning people alive is, um, you know, not a big thing, but if you're doing it and you don't see the people that you're hurting and you're, like, from a distance being, like, I guess in theory people are getting hurt versus, like, you'd have to be, uh, like, the the biggest scumbag in the world to watch, like, a kid suffer in front of you and not intervene, like – that, well, a lot it's very different.
2: Did. A lot of cops did see him, and this is where like the this little scumbags. Ha- yeah,
1: little bit. Chris's is point is, gets... is still
0: relevant. Chris's point is still right. very valid here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, this is where the trivia like kind of gets really like fucked up, and you're like, oh fuck, <sighs> these guys are the worst. Is uh, um. the cop that saved the kid got a commendation? Like, was like, congratulations, you like you did your job like under like stressful situation. You saved this child's life. He eventually had to leave the forest because of like trauma from the event and harassment from his fellow cops of who course. would like vandalize his locker with like stuff that said like nigger lover and stuff oh my God. And it's just like like you literally like that's how like a great white supremacy is in some of these people like you're not even allowed to save like a black child like yeah. w- without without betraying like some like fundamental like tenant of theirs
1: but they're not even seeing them as people at this point, if they're doing all of this stuff, right? Like they're just like, this is a nuisance. And like, they don't have uh, They're Oh my
2: God. Yeah.
1: It's horrific. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So after the fact, uh, it was really bad. Uh, I think there was one woman, uh, one adult woman who had survived the siege and her and two of the members surviving like families got $1.2 million in restitution. Like, 11 years later from the city. Uh, Like I mentioned, the city had to rebuild the 65 homes that burned down, but uh, they did it really crappily. So now they're just like, they were all condemned in 2000. I'm sure like, it's probably like expensive apartments that replace them now or something. Of course. um, Do
1: you know, do you know how those women got that money? Like, like was that after the commission that ruled that something had gone wrong or like, where did the yeah. money come from?
2: You're oh, okay. okay. I, I think it came from the city. Yeah, yeah, it had to yeah. come from the city because it was a civil suit. Um oh, okay, so, okay, but they filed something. Exactly. Yeah, and like I mean, again, like there was ample footage of like everything going down. Like I think a semi competent lawyer could at least get damages, which they did. Um, and then the last thing I saw was that. Uh, Uh, On November twelfth, two 2020, so very recently actually, uh, the City Council of Philadelphia passed a resolution apologizing for the decisions and events preceding and leading to the devastation that occurred on May 13, 1985, the council established an annual day of observation, reflection, and recommitment to remember the MOVE bombing. So, November twelfth is like MOVE day, I guess?
1: Okay. Which is... I guess it it, it might be
2: May thirteen would probably the bombing was May thirteen, so that's probably the day.
1: Okay, which like okay, kind of goes back to my original thing where I accidentally called them a cult. Where it's like this is something I think probably more people should know about. So I guess it's good that there is some public acknowledgement and like if there's a move day, like I would hope that it's going to be further addressed, like in schools and you know maybe like on a news level, so there's more awareness. I guess. Right? That's like the hope,
2: right? That is the hope, but I also just, I don't see it ever happening. Like the same way I don't see the bombing of Black Wall Street ever coming up or what led to the Watt riots or the LA riots, you know? Like there's just, there's a lot of people that just don't want to touch that pineapple. They don't want to get to the juice.
1: (laughs) No, I know. I mean, we covered um, like the Rodney King thing and like everything that went around with that. And I actually remember regretting because I was going to talk about how Sublime has that fucking song. I don't know if you guys have heard it, but it, it like it's like there's a lyric in there that's like it's not for the black man. It's not for the Mexican. It's about like something like coming on top or like saying fuck you to a cop or something. And I'm like, that is Like every time Mm -hmm. I think about that fucking song, I'm like, this is like, I can't. Every time I hear Sublime, I'm like, you're the worst band ever now because of that. But but I also wonder, like, I feel like more people have been talking about Tulsa in recent years, like especially this last year. And I, yeah. I, just hope that like more people are talking about it or like the fact that you're talking about this and I'm like, now Victoria and I are going to go watch this movie. And like, hopefully um, people who listen to our podcast are going to like have that knowledge and share it with other people too. And just, I don't know. I hope, I, I don't know. I just want the world to be a better place. So I'm like, can I do this? Is so like
2: <laughs> it's, this is, like is For me, this is required viewing. Like it's, it's such happening. a, it's such a like amazing and like tragic tale.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, we didn't know about it. I didn't know that this happened. And I didn't know that they killed children and that, that they got, that everyone got away with it. Like, there was mm-hmm. like, no one got in trouble besides, but you said the one person that got in trouble was the person who decided to not help the child? Or no, it was the person that killed the trouble?
2: No, no, it was the cop that like saved the kid. So,
1: like, oh, were, like, oh the one that had yeah. to leave the forts because of yeah. harassment
2: and PTSD. Yes. <sighs>
1: Okay, so no one actually. There was no punishment. There was nothing. It was just okay. Because
0: yeah, it was oh. that he said he he said thing, and nobody actually had any follow up or accountability. God damn it! Anywho, yep. <laughs>
1: God.
2: Okay, okay, okay,
1: okay, okay. And Here that is go.
2: the rise and fall of Move. <laughs>
1: that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. Usually I'm like, hey, what's your social work perspective? I don't know if you have anything you want to add because I kind of feel like we've been touching on it like the entire episode and it was a really wonderfully done episode. Like, I mean, I love our guests, but I feel like every time I get a guest, I'm just like, yes, thank you for doing the, the, a better job than Victoria and I do. And I don't want to speak for Victoria because she is a lovely host, but I'm like always just awestruck. And I also think this is just, I, I've never heard of it and I'm so glad you introduced
2: it to us. Oh, I'm so glad that I was able to come on and like talk about it because it's like, what well, I have wanted to, I, I told all my friends about it and like I ran out of people to like gush about it too last summer. So it's like really cool to do it again.
1: Awesome. Cool. Did you have anything else you wanted to add? Because I'm so sorry. I just started rambling again because... <sighs> I'm like, should I comment on the shame thing? So the shame thing is like, I don't want to say anything that's stupid because it's like, you know, as all of us white folks who are kind of like, you don't ever want to be racist because racism is bad. But then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You also have to work through like, it, are you coming from any kind of a bias but then when I'm being fucking recorded and I'm putting it out there like if we were having an intimate uh-huh. discussion I'd be like I could be wrong but I don't you know you know what I mean like you don't want to be like oh Chris that idiot who is also racist or something and and that's why like I don't cut a lot of stuff out because like when I fuck up I point it out too but it's like it's like a weird place of like how do I process this with Elsa so not taking a Hey, I'm a white woman. Do you want to hear my opinion on it? Even though this is our podcast and we're white
2: women. Yeah. You. <laughs> this is uh, our podcast. Uh- for me, it's just like – I feel like shame is – I I get it. Like for some people, it's like a fueling thing or like something to like honor. But for me, it just kind of – it just slows down the learning. Like it's just like one more hurdle mm-hmm. to get over. Like I, I, as people, like we're kind of just born with like a lot of guilt to begin with and a lot of bad yes. things that You're we right. spend our whole life getting through. So – just 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 learn and if you feel like you're gonna say something stupid just preface it like it's gonna be stupid but here we go
1: well you don't know until you're like i'm like i think the little blurb i read like a month ago when we did our recording said that they were a cult and then i'm like fuck okay i don't want to do that because then also like maybe they weren't a cult and maybe they were a a true movement and i think i remember them being very religious so in my head like if you're like weird and religious you're a cult like immediately that's my bias i'm okay with it because generally i think it's accurate but like you know but then i'm like i don't want to take away from like the black power movement and like the real protest that was needed and is still needed too
2: right yeah so i mean uh, that's fair i I would say like these guys uh they're no angels like the cops like to always say right before killing black people
1: Uh, (sighs) always but then you have like this most recent woman who was killed at the capitol and they're like she was a veteran she was a veteran she was a veteran Um... and you're like can you not? She was gonna go storm the the, cha- the house chamber. Like what?
2: I really think that if she didn't die at the Capitol, she would have like gone in a car accident. Have you seen the videos she would post? Like, no, always like her like driving <laughs> with like one hand on her phone, like in selfie mode, just like di- like shouting a bunch of MAGA talking points into like her Twitter or something. It is insane. Like she was like driving a car, just like yelling about like Pelosi or something.
1: Yeah, I did hear or I saw or read an article that was talking about how it was like her mother or her. No, it was her ex-husband's mom. And they were like, we don't know how she became so extreme because like this was never her before. And I kind of wonder, like, did something happen like traumatic injury or something, you know, where I'm like this big change or or was it just like Trump and all this bullshit brought this out of everybody this year or these last few years, four years? Hopefully,
2: and this this is where like the whole like reductive, like calling something a cult thing kind of falls apart. Is like we're all susceptible to like falling for a cult, you just have to be like scared enough and convinced Mm -hmm. enough that like the thing you're scared of can only be like battled with like this like enclave that you found,
1: which I guess in some cases is accurate, right? Like sometimes sometimes... (laughs) sometimes the cult is right, you know what I mean. (laughs) Maybe that should be our name. No, no, no. No, no, no. I like the pineapple episode, but like, (laughs) that's right. But also sometimes the cult is, you know, how many 70 million people and they're absurd. Yeah. Yeah.
2: When does it stop being a cult? Like, and just start being like a threat, I guess.
1: I mean, God, we could, we could, we could discuss this on another episode. If you would like to come on and do another case, you are always welcome. Just let us know.
2: Thank you. Thank you. love to come back. (laughs)
1: Yeah, please do. Okay, Victoria, did you have anything you want to do? Because I do feel like we're probably towards the end of our time.
0: Yes, really quickly. I also saw that there is another thing that I didn't, again, because it just came out a hot second ago. There is another documentary, it looks like, from H- on HBO Max, like 40 Years a Prisoner. Um, So that's yes. Awesome. So I'm going to be down a deep dive for the next couple of days.
1: I like 40, 40 Years a Prisoner? Is that about these men that
2: were incarcerated for 40 years from I this, believe so. I believe exactly so. I think so. it's. Yeah, so I actually watched this one. It was, Mm. uh, yeah, it's a good one. I would recommend it. This one doesn't focus on the bombing. It's specifically about the 1978 shootout and about the nine people that were prisoners, hence 40 years prisoner. Um, It's a really good one. I actually got to work with the the, document, the director And that production company on another project a few years ago. So it was really cool to get to watch this and see what he's moved on to. He's really big on like black love and like uh, special interest stories about like the black community. And I I really like that one, too. Uh, The festive thing is, though, that like he brings back like some of the cops that were involved. So like you got to hear their side.
1: Interesting. But, you know,
2: it's still like it's still worth hearing. Like just because like just because they're terrible doesn't mean that there isn't insight to be gleaned.
1: Yeah, also, can I, I just want to point out, so um the Minnesota folks that we've had on the show, I was thinking about this yesterday, all of these folks, including our guests today, have like followed their dreams, like Khalid's like living in LA, like what, like trying to do screenwriting, right, and like working for production companies and stuff, isn't that like, and like we had Nikki on who like worked a billion years in the lab so she could be a fingerprint, like it's just amazing, like all of you guys have really, it's, it's really impressive because I feel like especially you Khalid, like going to LA is scary as shit, and like people don't make it and you're like out there like you seem like you're doing really well and just i don't know it's cool
2: oh, thanks so much chris it has not been easy but it is really gratifying going for it and just not wondering what if so yeah i don't know uh it's uh obviously with like this like last year it's been rockier than, than normal but I'm, I'm weathering the storm as well as i can be
1: cool yeah well i want to point that out because i really was like reflecting on that yesterday and i was like i and i uh, i don't know kelsey super well but aren't only non-minnesota guests because everyone else <laughs> is from minnesota that comes on the show um, <laughs> but like like you folks are really following your dreams it's really impressive and inspiring
2: oh thanks we tried
1: okay well i think we are at the end of our time thanks for uh coming on and thanks for listening everyone Yay. Bye. 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 <laughs> <laughs>